Our Bible reading today comes from the book of John, chapter 15, starting at verse 18 and continuing through to chapter 16 to verse 4. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they abode my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated me both me and my father. But this is to fulfil what was written in the law, their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lois. Uh, If you could uh, have the passage in front of you that you would have got, it's in the middle of the new sheet, that would be really helpful. There's also an outline there that you can take notes on uh, if that's helpful for you. Uh, In business, they say, uh, you need to manage expectations, right? Under promise, over deliver. That's the strategy. Uh, Who here has been to the Big Banana? A few people? Great. Uh, If you don't know what the Big Banana is, it's a banana. Uh, Coffs Harbour on the north coast of New South Wales. Australia has lots of big things. The Big Pineapple on the Sunshine Coast. The Big Merino. Uh, Then there's the back view of the Big Merino. (laughs) Then there's the freaky night view. (laughs) Oh, the big merino. And what do you think this is? The big, the big what? <laughs> Potato, of course. That's in Robertson. We should be proud as Australians. Well, how about the big banana? I reckon that's bad expectation management. I just don't reckon it's that big. I went to the big banana once and I was like, Okay, where is it? And I'm like, oh, here I am, I'm in it. That's it. Bad expectation management. Our youngest was walking home from school the other day 
She turned to mum and said, Mum, something happened today at school that you won't like. What's that? I don't want to tell you right now. I'll tell you when we get home. That's good expectation management. (laughs) Buttering up mum for the journey home. Now, expectation management is what Jesus is doing here. See, it's biblical. Here, Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he's gone. He said, I'm leaving, but don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven, and I'll come back, and I won't leave you alone. I'll send the Holy Spirit. And he said, when I go, like branches in a vine, you need to remain in me. You need to bear fruit. Love me by obeying me my commands and, and love each other. He's preparing them for when he goes. Well, love. That was last week. Have a look at the passage in front of you. What's the word that really stands out to you? Have a look. What's the word? Hate. It's a stark contrast, isn't it, to last week? Love in the church, but hate in the world. It's a very confronting passage, but it's essential because Jesus has a very clear and a very important pastoral purpose and it's there in verse 1 of chapter 16. All this I have told you so so that you will not fall away. It's pretty important, isn't it? You will not fall away. Notice what he's not doing. He's not telling them these things because he's worried that they might be unpopular He's not warning them so they can work out how to avoid rejection and suffering, is he? Actually, he's sending them right into the firing line. Go and bear witness. Now, his purpose is much more important to keep his disciples from falling away. Because out of all the possible things that could happen in the future, and there are some pretty scary things that could happen, that's the only thing that has eternal consequences. Side note, if that's the most important thing, this reality should shape my priorities for me and for my family. Whatever keeps us from falling away, I should do that. I should do that. Uh, They build skyscrapers and they actually sway a little bit in the wind, don't they? They're built with flex. It's a bit freaky, But they're built like that so when the wind comes and buffets them, they don't topple over. And that's what Jesus is doing with us here. He's building us with flex. So when the pressure comes, we won't topple over and we won't fall away. Well, Jesus says the world will hate you. What does he mean by the world will hate you? He doesn't mean a tree will hate you. It doesn't mean a puppy will hate you. How could a puppy hate you? What he means is people will hate you. People that don't like Jesus, the fact that he is the king and need to do what he says. The world here, he means humanity set against God. By the way, that's the same world in John 3.16 that God so loved, that he loved so much he sent his son to die for it. Jesus loves that world. Jesus died for that world. That's grace. 
hate. It's confronting. Who wants to be hated? Not me. I don't want to be hated. I want to be loved, admired, thought well of, treated nicely. I like that idea. I don't want to be hated. And it's such a brutal and such a nasty word, isn't it? Hate. Could Jesus be exaggerating here? Well, Jesus was mocked, whipped and beaten. He had nails driven through his hands and his feet. The apostles were all killed because they spoke about Jesus. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, stoned to death for testifying to Christ. It's estimated that uh, 270 Christians around the world are killed each day for their faith. Just as we meet here, about 14 people will die. Hate? An exaggeration? Nah, I don't think so. I think it's pretty accurate, really. For some Christians, this hostility that the world has will result in severe persecution. And persecution is not just any pressure. It's not just any suffering. Look, I stub my toe, that door is persecuting me. That's not persecution. Not suffering in general, no. Uh, Persecution is pressure or suffering specifically for being a Christian. That's what Jesus means here. For speaking about Christ and for living for him. Now the apostles really copped it. That's what Jesus is preparing them for. Uh, For others, uh, this hostility, this persecution won't be that extreme. But it might mean rejection. It might mean losing friends, being kicked out of the family. I was in a Persian congregation once and we were waiting for two Muslim women to be baptised and they were baptised and then they were kicked out of the family. Persecution may may mean being overlooked for a job or a promotion or if you're at school it might mean being picked on or teased. Might be just getting that look. Oh, you're a you're a Christian. Maybe you've had something this sort of experience before. Uh, Jesus isn't saying here that every person will be hostile. He's not saying that we'll be persecuted all the time. Many will have great parents, great friends, great colleagues who aren't Christians who don't agree with what you believe, but will be respectful of us and our faith. And hostility will vary in times and places. In Australia, we're very blessed, aren't we? We can live, we can meet, we can worship freely. Many of us here will never really experience a much persecution or serious disadvantage at all. But if you live in North Korea, or you live in Afghanistan, or if you live in other places around the world, it's a different story. And not all hostility is necessarily persecution. Sometimes Christians can get confused about that. Sometimes people have good reasons for being hostile towards Christians. Like when we're harsh and judgmental. Or we use our power to hurt vulnerable people. Anger and hostility that comes from being cruel, that's not persecution, it's behaviour we need to repent of and be held to account for. But Jesus is saying, even when you are loving other people, even when you are speaking in gentle and gracious 
ways, the world won't like you because of who you worship and who you speak about. And you're not a freak. It's just normal. Uh, Jesus says this hostility will come from the secular world, but also, uh, chapter 16, verse 2, the religious world. They will put you out of the synagogue, kind of the Jewish equivalent of a church. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God, that they're doing God a favour. Early in John's Gospel, a man was born blind, healed by Jesus, and the church leaders kicked him out of the synagogue for saying, it was Jesus who healed me. Later, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Did they praise God? No. The chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. That's what the religious leaders did. Paul was converted. The Apostle Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. Why was he there? He was off to kill Christians. Like the Pharisees, he thought he was doing God a favour. Throughout history, it's been normal for Christians to be persecuted by the state and also, sadly, by those who call themselves God's people. Thomas Cranmer, you may have heard of him. He was an Archbishop of Canterbury in the 16th century. He wrote our founding documents in the prayer book. They preached a sermon at his execution. In North America, Bible-believing Anglicans recently have been sued and kicked out of their churches by their bishops because they stood up for biblical truth. It's awful when church leaders persecute believers for being faithful to Jesus, they show they are no different from the world and indeed are part of it. And this is what's going to happen to the disciples. This is what happens to faithful Christians. So Jesus says, get ready. It's going to be tough out there. Well, why is the world hostile towards Christians? In verse 18, Jesus tells us, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. There's a kind of comfort here, isn't there? You will be hated, but really, it's nothing personal, right? Nothing personal. Jesus says, it's not you, it really is me. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name. At one level, it makes no sense. That's why Jesus says, as the scriptures say, they hated me without reason. Jesus wasn't cruel or harsh, was he? He always showed mercy. He always included those on the outside. He always stood up for those who were being oppressed. For the weak, he lived a perfectly compassionate and loving life. Why hate Jesus? Well, people hated him, John says, because they loved the darkness. Chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus was the light and his words and his works revealed the true nature 
and the darkness within people. Chapter 7. The Lord, he says, hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Nobody likes to hear that, right? Jesus exposes our hypocrisy, our greed, our anger. He exposes our hidden prejudices, the way we use and abuse power, the way we trample others, especially the vulnerable. And he reveals our deep need for forgiveness and grace and our need to repent and change. As a ministry trainee, I took a year 11 scripture class when I was in Sydney. One of the students said, look, I believe all of it, Jesus is who he says he is. He died, he rose again. But he said, I'm not going to become a Christian because that means I would need to change, change the way I'm living and I really don't want to do that. So, no thanks. For a guy in year 11, he had an incredible amount of insight into himself and an incredible level of honesty. An honesty that sometimes we don't have, right? It's often why people reject Jesus. It's not about the evidence. It's not because believing in Jesus is silly. It's because accepting Jesus means accepting I'm not all good. It means accepting I'm not the one in charge of my life. And it means change. That's why the world is hostile to Jesus. He calls it to account and says, guys, I'm in charge. I'm Lord. And those who belong to him, those who speak about this, the world will treat the same way as they treated him. Verse 22, they will treat you this way because of my name. In the end, it doesn't matter how much we work on our image. It doesn't matter how much we polish the brand. It doesn't matter how much, how many good works we do. You see, people have been hostile to Christians for all sorts of reasons, not just for our views on gender or sexuality. I mean, that's front and centre, but Christians have been hated for uh, rescuing abandoned babies, for feeding the poor, for fighting to abolish slavery, for speaking against gambling, for standing up and protecting our Indigenous peoples. The reason actually our culture accepts those issues now as social justice issues is because Christ has has had such a big impact on our culture. And so it doesn't matter how gentle and winsome that we are, though we should be, it won't ensure that if you're a faithful Christian and that you speak about Christ that you won't be rejected by the world. A servant is not greater than his master. That's what Jesus says, doesn't he? Uh, Some churches teach what is often called the prosperity gospel. You might have heard the term. That if you come to Jesus, you'll be protected and you'll be guaranteed a health, wealth and success. Well, according to Jesus here, that's, that's not true. But this prosperity teaching is not only untrue, it's incredibly dangerous. I've met a number of people who have been incredibly burnt by these churches because they just weren't ready for the suffering when it came. There was no flex. 
Suffering made them doubt their faith, God's goodness and even his existence. And some fell away. So be prepared, Jesus says. Get your expectations right. It's better that you know up front what this is going to involve. There are two crosses for the Christian. The one that Jesus carried and the one you're required to carry. The pathway of the Messiah is a pathway of his people. That's the deal if you follow Jesus. Now, earlier I said that uh, sometimes hostility will come from religious people, those who think they're doing God a favour by persecuting Christians. But the fact is their hostility doesn't just show that they hate Jesus, it shows they never actually really knew or loved God either. They thought they were, but they weren't. Verse 21, they treat you like this for they do not know the one who sent me. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father as well. And in its hatred of him, Jesus says, their most central, their most controlling sin has been exposed. Rejection of God himself. You see, Jesus has come with the very words, the very works of his Father. He is the clearest light, the fullest revelation of God. He's God in the flesh. God right before us. That's what they saw. And so rejection of Jesus is rejection of God himself. And it therefore incurs the deepest guilt and leaves us without excuse. We'll have a look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus again mentions the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's done that earlier. The advocate, the spirit of truth. And notice that these verses are really wedged between two bits about persecution and hostility. Perhaps here they're meant to be a comfort in the sense that it will be hard, but don't worry, the Spirit's coming, he will protect you. No, Jesus says, actually, the Spirit's presence means that hostility will be inevitable. Because notice first what the Spirit will not do. He won't make life easy. He won't shield you from rejection and persecution. He won't make everyone love you. What will he do? Have a look there. He will testify about Jesus. And verse 27, filled with the Spirit, what must the disciples do? Testify to Jesus. He will do the very thing that provokes hostility. He will send his disciples right into the furnace. Now these words of course are directly addressed to the apostles, the first witnesses to Jesus who were persecuted and killed. But these words have direct implications for us. We'll experience a similar hostility, though as I said, not all the time at different levels, different places. Because the Spirit's work continues in the world and in the church now. 
It is our role in every age to testify to Jesus with everything that brings. Well, if we had just these words of Jesus, nothing else, it would seem pretty bleak, right? Pretty bleak. As Christians, we get all the suffering the world gets, broken relationships, sickness, depression, anxiety. But on top of that, we get this special suffering as well that comes from following Jesus. Jesus needs a PR consultant just to finesse the message a little bit here. But on the other hand, God gives us all the happiness and all the good things the world gets as well. Beautiful relationships, work, music, food, sunsets, the rain that God brings, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, it rains on everyone. But with all that, we also get the best things of all. Forgiveness, meaning and purpose, hope, relationship with God and each other. And at the end eternal life. We may not be loved, but it's worth it. Well, let me share a few practical reflections to finish. First, knowing that if we stand with Jesus, we will face uh, the world's hostility. How should we respond? What should we do with it? Well, one response and this is very human, is to try and avoid it, right? Fly under the radar, keep quiet, perhaps even just focus on living like everyone else. And if we did that, that would work, Jesus says, because the world loves its own. If we're quiet, if we never say anything about Jesus, well, we'll be tolerated. If we say, God loves you and it doesn't matter which way you live, well, we'll be loved. If we just focus on doing those things that other people can agree with, charity work, work for social change, good things, but just stop short uh, from talking about Jesus, just avoid rocking the boat, well, we'll be respected if we do that. But if we tell the truth that Christ is the Lord of Lords, the King of of Kings, or anger and hostility. You could save yourself a lot of pain, but then you'll miss out on seeing the power of God at work in the world. Then you'll miss out on the joy of being faithful to your Heavenly Father And you'll also miss out on the praise of God. Quote from Spurgeon, that very church which the world likes best is sure to be the church which God abhors. And Jesus says that blending in, keeping quiet, that's, that's not an option. He says, keep witnessing. Keep witnessing. Love others live faithfully, testify to him. That's the only option.
keep witnessing. Another response is to hit back, to really kind of lean into the fight. Uh, Church has done that in the past. Maybe we could do that in person or nowadays on social media, right? Respond in kind. Make other people look silly. Is that an option? No, that's not an option. It's not the way of Jesus. On the cross he said, Father, forgive them. He loved his enemies. He died for them. And he calls us to do the same. Respond to hate with love. Bless those who persecute you. It's tempting to hit back when we feel like we've been unfairly spoken about or attacked. But even when that happens, Jesus says, keep loving. Respond with grace, gentleness and mercy. Always. No exceptions. And remember, we need to keep focusing on the main thing. Testifying to Jesus. We don't need to win every argument at school. We don't need to win every debate in public or in parliament. Sometimes I think the battles that Christians choose to fight are more about winning and holding on to social power and position rather than testifying to Christ. Win or lose, Jesus is still Lord. And remember that it's possible to win the argument but lose the person. Keep witnessing, keep loving. Another option is withdrawal, to wall ourselves up, to kind of raise the drawbridge, stay in closed Christian community, away from the hostility. How about that? Is that an option? Well, no. Jesus' call is to keep witnessing, keep loving and keep engaged. Go into the world, don't stay out of it. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus says, go into our families, our schools, our workplaces with the good news of Jesus and the life, the fruit that comes from that. And even if we're hated and persecuted, remember what Jesus said. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. There is no greater honour than the opportunity to represent Jesus. There is no greater privilege than getting to share his life-giving words. There is no greater honour than even copying persecution for him. Who knows what seed will be sown? Who knows, even in those who are hostile, their future. You might say something, you might do something that brings them to Christ. And who knows how God will shape and refine us through what we suffer.
Even if we are persecuted, Jesus says, we are blessed. It is our blessing and our privilege to suffer for Jesus. So responding to hostility means to keep witnessing, keep loving and keep engaged. And as we respond, Jesus does promise help. Jesus promises he won't leave us alone. He promises to send the Holy Spirit as part of a whole witnessing package. We've just touched on it today, but we'll hear more about that next week. Second, he actually also gives us each other. At church, uh, in our connect groups, at youth group, kids' church, in our relationships with each other, hard outside sometimes, but love inside. That's Jesus' call. You see, church community is meant to be like a still brazier full of hot coals. Together, if you uh, have these hot coals, leave them together, they'll stay hot for ages. But kind of take one out and put it to the side, what happens to it? It gets cold, doesn't it? It grows cold. We need each other like this brazier of hot coals. Jesus gives us to love, to encourage, to pray for each other, especially when it's tough. He's given us one another so that we would not grow cold and fall away. He's given us each other so that no one would be lost on the road to heaven. We're busy sometimes. COVID has been difficult. But church family, keep meeting together like we are today. Keep connected. Not just for yourself, but for each other. When we stay away, we don't just miss out. We miss out on the chance to serve others. We miss out on the chance to help keep others on the road to heaven. Jesus gives us his spirit, he gives us the church and he gives us his word here today. Get your expectations right. Don't expect to be loved. In the end, it doesn't really matter what they think or what they say. In the end, it only matters what one person thinks and what one person says. Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this warning. Help us, Father God, as we face difficulty, whether it's at home or at work, in our workplaces for testifying to you. Help us be strong. Help us witness to you. Help us love others. Help us live a life 
that looks like you. And Father, may we see people come to you because of it. Amen.